From the Mass General Center for the Environment and Health, this is Healthcare SOS. This podcast series is devoted to addressing healthcare sustainability. The U.S. healthcare system contributes substantially to the nation's greenhouse gas emissions. The goal of Healthcare SOS is to share with you how Mass General Hospital is integrating environmental sustainability into its clinical, research, and educational activities. We hope that this will help you do the same or better at your healthcare institution. Welcome to Healthcare SOS, sharing on sustainability. I'm your host, Dr. Winnie Armand. The U.S. healthcare system represents nearly 10% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. Our goal in this podcast series is to share with you our experience in working on sustainability at the Massachusetts General Hospital. In this first episode, we will discuss creating a sustainability team at our hospital. Massachusetts General Hospital is the largest in Massachusetts with well over 1,000 inpatient beds. When combined with our partner institutions at Mass General Brigham, the inpatient beds number over 3,200. Today, we are joined by Dr. Jonathan Slutsman, the director of the MGH Center for the Environment and Health and the Medical Director for Environmental Sustainability at MGH. Visit our podcast website for Dr. Slutsman's full bio. You can also find relevant resources and references we discuss on our website. So Dr. Slutsman, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Dr. Armand. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So I'd love first for you to help us differentiate what it means to be the director of the Center for the Environment and how this differs from being the medical director for environmental sustainability at MGH. Can you sort of help us understand what the difference is between these two programs? Sure. Um, in, in a great way, the positions are strongly overlapping, but they have slightly different perspectives. And one is the Center for the Environment and Health has a pretty broad mandate to infuse environmental sustainability throughout all aspects of a hospital's mission. And that includes clinical operations, taking care of our patients on a daily basis, education in training our next generation of leaders in medicine and practitioners as well, Uh, research into new ways to do things, new links between environmental concerns and human health, new links between the delivery of healthcare and environmental pollution, and then public health advocacy. How can we bring our expertise, our energy to bear to protect more of our patients in our communities, to prevent them in some ways from becoming patients and protect their health on a larger scale? So that's a pretty broad mandate. As medical director of environmental sustainability for the hospital, I'm really focusing on that first part primarily. It's how can we operate a 21st century academic medical center in a way that minimizes our impact on the natural environment and by extension, minimizes the harms that we cause to our community and our patients. significantly overlapping, but slightly different perspectives and, and to some degree, different people with whom I end up working. That's very helpful. Thank you. I'd love to hear about the history about these efforts and programs. Can you share with us a little bit about the evolution of sustainability at Mass General? 
Sure. And I think it's worth saying that every institution is going to be a little bit different in how they get to whatever endpoint they they do. Uh, and I can certainly speak about our experience here at Mass General. Um, and it's not terribly different than some places, but like I said, every place is going to be a little bit different. And if you've seen one sustainability program, for the most part, you have seen one sustainability program. Uh, we started decades ago at MGH. And I think that in the last few years, we've only seen really great building on a foundation that the people who came before us did. Uh, so it's it's worth paying attention to and respecting and, and appreciating the effort that went into improving our environmental performance in, in the MGH's case, specifically around energy use, uh, and water use uh, and resilience that have been ongoing for at least the last 20 to 25 years. That came about primarily, to be honest, from a bit of a cost perspective, a bit of a resilience perspective with an environmental bonus that really we were able to take advantage of some improved utility costs and certainly energy efficiency gains by transitioning some of our hospitals equipment and, and engineering components. Uh, more recently, if we fast forward to say about five-ish years ago, a relatively small group of clinicians, in this case, they were all physicians, got together and said, hey, you know, we, we could really be doing more. Uh, and, and how can we make that happen? How can we take the relatively newer evidence that was coming forward showing links between climate change and health and that health systems have a large part to play in mitigating and adapting to climate change as well as other pollution. Uh, how can we take our health system, our hospital to the next level and what can we do about it? So our small group, our band of people got together and started meeting with uh, our corporate director of real estate and development, who happens to have the sustainability office under his uh, responsibility and said, what, what can we be doing differently? How can we jumpstart? How can we move the needle a little bit faster to where we need to go? Uh, and it really became a question of what was going to be the most productive use of our resources. That as an academic medical center and a nonprofit entity, we, we have a strong need to manage our resources and, and be effective stewards of the community's resources. Uh, so it all comes down to how can we spend the least amount of money to get the best benefit? And how do we make that argument to our administration that that we should be leading more in this, in this realm. Uh, in some places, the argument needs to be more financial and return on investment and payback period. In some places, it's more about uh, appealing to the primary mission of the institution of protecting human health and doing what's right for our community. Uh, and I think most places are gonna be some combination of the two. Uh, in our case, we 
made arguments on each of those, as well as public perception that we here in in Boston, in Massachusetts, New England, um, have a pretty strong ethos in the community towards public health, towards uh, protecting the environment, towards uh, doing these things. And so our surrounding community, to some degree, looks for it and, and raises that question with the institution periodically. So that helped us in, in being able to say, look, this is something that, that our community is asking about, and we can and should be doing better. We were able to point to our, our mission statement that is uh, that includes taking care of our community's public health. And we were able to show that the vast, vast, vast majority of environmental sustainability programs uh, produce savings, real savings for an institution in terms of dollars. Um, and has been pointed out by, by some other institutions around the country, if we save a dollar on utilities or emissions or something like that, um, that actually represents somewhere on the order of uh, $30 to $50 of, of revenue that we don't need to generate to, to, to make that dollar to, to pay that cost. So, so the return is actually a little bit bigger than, than you would necessarily think if you just look at costs. Um, so that kind of gets us to what is the argument to be made? And we, over time, brought that to our administration. Uh, and in true nonprofit organization fashion, the answer was, this all sounds great. Let's form a committee, uh, which is what we did. So we created a, a reinvigorated sustainability committee. We called it the Executive Sustainability Committee. Uh, I think mostly because it sounds better. Uh, and the president of the hospital appointed the CFO to be the chair. Uh, and this turned out actually to be a really great benefit. So this sustainability committee was made up of almost entirely non-clinicians. It had the leadership of essentially every non-clinical department at the hospital, plus a few clinicians. Uh, again, primarily the physicians who had been playing this leading role up to that point. Uh, and having the CFO in charge, first of all, she's the one to whom all of these non-clinical departments report. And second of all, she is the one who really knows the most and controls and, and stewards the financial resources for the institution. So if we could show through that committee that a particular in, uh, initiative was worthwhile, then the, the ability to get such an initiative funded would be better because we've, we've already kind of convinced most of the people who need to be convinced, and then can go to the higher up leadership, the CEO, and say, this is what we think, everybody's behind it, um, let's do it, and, and hopefully get, get a yes answer. Um, so we had this Executive Sustainability Committee formed, and uh, we met regularly. Um, I know that you know, there's, there's a great trend these days towards having shorter meetings, which I definitely agree with. Uh, 
but these were purposefully long. These were 90 minute meetings because there was just so much to cover with so many people who up to that point hadn't really been thinking terribly much about environmental issues um, just because it wasn't primarily their jobs and it's not the background from which they came. So we spent a lot of time getting everybody up to speed and talking about how we wanted to make the work happen and what our goals should be. Over about an 18 or so month period, we did that work and we came up with work streams and goals and objectives. Uh, and then at the end of that 18 month period, the, CE, the CFO, the chair of the committee uh, and I were talking and, and she said, all right, I think it's, it's time for our ask now. Up until that point, uh, to some degree, everybody on that committee was, was doing the work on a voluntary basis, which is kind of a strange way to put it. Um, in reality, the, the heads of these non-clinical departments, they were doing it as part of their jobs. Uh, so they had their regular daytime job, and, and this was part of it, to, to come to these meetings, to come up with work plans, to execute them. Uh, and then we had the few clinicians who were doing it in addition to their, their regular clinical job, including me. Uh, and we, we got to a point where we said, you know what, this, this work is not going to advance further the way that we want it to without having some additional people time to push for it, to be able to do the work. Uh, and the CFO and I talked about it and she agreed, yep, it's time, it's time for our ask. And we built a budget of what we think it would take, what tasks needed to be done, how much person time that those tasks would take, uh, and then how much money that would require um, to, to get it done. So that was when we, we went to the CEO of the hospital. This was now already well into the COVID-19 epidemic uh, and the hospital's response. Uh, and we, we, we met with him and he said, yes, it's, it's time, let's do this. And that was how the, uh, the Center for the Environment and Health was, was born at MGH when the CEO said, yes, let's do it. Uh, we were not expecting him to found a center at the time, to be honest. Uh, the CFO had talked and I had talked about it and, and we had decided that, that we were actually gonna ask for a medical directorship of environmental sustainability. And then in about a year, after showing that effort being hopefully quite successful, we would then ask for the founding of a center. Um, but the, the CEO jumped us uh, a little bit there and, uh, and just went right there. His answer was, look, if we're gonna do this, if we're gonna be pulling across the institution to hit all four parts of our mission pillars, then why don't we just do it the right way? Let's just, let's just create a center. Uh, and we did. So that's kind of how we did it. But then, like I said, every institution is going to be a little bit different. Um, so just because we did it one way doesn't mean it's the only way. Thank you for sharing that. It's so clear to me how important it is to have the, the leadership, the CFO uh, backing to help 
propel things forward. I'm curious, um, as you went through the story, you talked about the Executive Sustainability Committee meeting for 90 minutes, heads of clinical departments, people doing this as part of their jobs, some on volunteers, some as a part of their duties. Can you actually be more specific and share with our listeners, like who is on this team? Who are the people, um, who are the, um, the stakeholders and the, and the people that you felt were important to, to guide this? Yeah, sure. Um, and I'll do my best to try and remember everyone. Um, if I forget anyone, I hope they don't feel slighted when they hear this. Um, but it is not on purpose. Uh, so we had, um, like I said, all of the non-clinical departments of the hospital. These are the, these are the people without whom we would not be able to do our job taking care of patients on a daily basis. So we're talking about the head of materials management, buildings and grounds, uh, real estate, uh, facilities engineering, uh, environmental services. There are the department that handles our waste primarily. Uh, transportation, uh, police and security, outside activities, food and nutrition. Um, so quite a lot of things that, that we all need to keep the hospital running. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that I think it's so important to have them involved is as you go through your sustainability journey and, and identify where are the hotspots in your hospital, where are the levers that, that you can pull to improve your environmental footprint? The things that are going to come up are things like your energy mix. How are you sourcing your electricity? How are you heating and cooling your facility? You know, you can't do that without the people who are buying the utilities uh, energy and the people who are maintaining and designing the building systems. Uh, you look at the supply chain and how much of an impact that is. All of the evidence on national level studies have shown that the supply chain represents anywhere from 65 to 80% of our environmental footprint at a hospital. So clearly you need the people who are involved in making those decisions, in purchasing and reprocessing, and that's materials management and central sterilization. So you need those people involved. Uh, when you start talking about how are you treating your sidewalks and your streets uh, in the event of here in New England snow and your landscaping? Well, that's that's buildings and grounds. That's that's part of your footprint. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of these aspects, the food, you know, we we here at MGH have the largest commercial kitchen in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We serve about thirty thousand meals a day. So food is a pretty big part of our environmental footprint and having the, the head of nutrition and food services really is a big part. And what I've seen over the last few years is not just number one, how important it is that these people are at the table and are actively involved. It's how each of these people have learned and grown in their sustainability efforts in that time. So we have folks who three years ago would not have been able to talk to you very much about greenhouse gas emissions and what parts of their department are really driving it. And today uh, are, are talking about, oh, we're, we're, we're getting rid of antibiotics in the food that we, in the meat that we serve in the kitchen. Oh, we're measuring how much of our food is plant-based and, and striving to increase it. So really kind of to some degree internalizing all of this and really kind of as our mission is, and as we have tried to do from the beginning, 
infusing this into the culture of the institution, that it's just, it's not that sustainability is its own task or its own office. It's that everybody has a part to play and everybody should be thinking about it as they're making decisions. So we try to make decisions based on the clinical outcome, the financial outcome, and the environmental outcome uh, to, to optimize all of them as best as possible. I think that's an important point you make, really making this a part of every activity, really ingraining this, this priority of sustainability into every operation, every process that is happening in the hospital. Um, I would love to back up. And before the center was formed, you mentioned that you proposed, you and the CFO, the team proposed to the CEO, a set of tasks that, um, and I'm curious, what was on that list of tasks uh, in terms of your vision and what was needed at the hospital? Yeah, we, um, you know, we, throughout the process, one of the one of the aspects that I didn't mention at the beginning that, that can help people to, to get buy-in from their leadership on doing things is, uh, is, we'll say, appealing to peer institutions that, for the most part, those of us in healthcare, and I think this applies in many industries as well, uh, we're, we're fairly risk-averse, and it's rare for somebody to want to be the first one to do something. Uh, so one of the things that we did was appeal to some of our peer institutions and say, you know, these hospitals X, Y, and Z are also doing similar things. Well, you can do the same thing on an internal basis. So how can we build on some other initiatives that have been done within the hospital or the health system that are seen as successful? And how can we make ours look kind of like that? to show that we will be equally successful or that, that what we have to say is just as important or uh, just as broad. So around the same time that we were building the Center for the Environment and Health, and, and not that we knew it at the time that it would be the Center for the Environment and Health, but building our environmental sustainability efforts, um, there's been a strong growth in our health system on diversity, equity, and inclusion, as I think there has been across the country uh, for good reason. And around the same time, uh, our colleagues in those efforts uh, created what they called a 10-point plan for, um, for uniting against racism uh, and building our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts across Mass General Brigham. Uh, and so we, we took that idea and said, well, you know, a 10-point plan, that, that actually sounds pretty good. Uh, and we decided we would create a 10-point plan of our own to show that we had explicit goals with measurable objectives underneath them. Uh, so that number one, it showed that we had very strongly thought this out. Number two, we were serious about getting things done. And number three, perhaps most importantly, we could at the end of whatever period of time, one years, two years, three years, uh, show that we have achieved our goals. Um, it's very hard to start out and say, our goal is to be more environmentally sustainable in our operations. And then two years later, how do you say to your leadership, yes, we are now more environmentally sustainable in our operations, rather than saying, we are going to uh, 
reduce our biohazardous waste contamination by 25%. And that doesn't necessarily say how we're going to do it, but it does say that we can do it um, and we can measure it. So we created a 10-point plan with a variety of topics. Uh, and it started with number one being to do a comprehensive measurement of our greenhouse gas inventory across the hospital. Uh, that fairly quickly morphed into a greenhouse gas inventory for the health system uh, spanning two academic medical centers and I want to say 11 other hospitals across our network. Um, so it became a much bigger task. Um, but that was that was just one. Another was reviewing all of our clinical and non-clinical policies uh, at the hospital to see what could be done better. Uh, we included education of our particularly trainees to, to develop some curricula uh, and present them, uh, develop a, a monthly Grand Round series that, that you, Dr. Armand, are wonderfully leading and, and building uh, with some partners. Um, we talked about waste, we talked about food and nutrition, we talked about chemical use, particularly around uh, some of our clinical products that, that reach patients and have perhaps the greatest potential to impact their health. Um, so we tried across those, those 10 initiatives to be uh, broad and in some ways deep. And what I would say is broad and impactful. Uh, so we wanted to achieve our goal of infusing sustainability across the institution by hitting on all these different topics, the ones that people think about and some of the ones that people think less about. So waste and food and chemicals uh, and the footprint uh, and using sustainability science to make some of our clinical purchasing decisions. Uh, but impactful in the sense that within each of these, we wanted to find the things that would have the greatest impact in the time period that we could measure uh, to, to improve our, our footprint. Um, so we use that 10-point plan, which we created before going to the CEO to ask essentially for money to build the position. Uh, we, we had that 10-point plan to to show to the CEO of the hospital and the CEO of the physician's organization uh, and say, these are the things we're gonna do. This is how we're going to do them. This is why it's important to do them. Uh, and these are the resources, namely the dollars that we would need to accomplish it. Uh, and I think that that made our case much stronger than it would have been without it. And I'll just refer our listeners uh, so that they know that uh, Dr. Duhame, Dr. Larocque, and Dr. Sletzman did publish an article that outlines the development of the center that includes also the um, initiatives and the 10-point plan. And that will be referenced on our website if you do want to pull that up and, and look at that in more detail. So, Dr. Sletzman, I know you get this question a lot from people. How do we do this at our institution? Um, and you've just spent uh, probably the last 25 minutes, really giving us a good sense of the history and the steps and the people involved and the stakeholders and and um, the, the the initiatives and missions involved. What do you what do you usually tell people in just a bullet, <laughs> if there is such a thing? Yeah. Um, 
So I think, I think I can't distill it into one bullet, but there are a few and they're not big. Number one is learn what your institution has done and is already doing. Um, it's, uh, it's always, I think, a little bit shameful when, when we have folks who are, uh, who are putting forward so much energy and devoting so much of their effort into things that can unfortunately sometimes be duplicative uh, and, and don't necessarily move the needle the way that we want it to. So number one, learn what's already happening. Uh, and that could just mean trying to find the people who are driving it. And maybe that's in facilities engineering, maybe it's in uh, real estate and development. Maybe you have a sustainability professional at your health system or hospital who you don't even know about, or maybe you don't. Um, but it's important to know what is happening. Uh, and it's usually not so obvious to our clinical staff uh, what's happening because like I said, almost all of this has to do with non-clinical work. That doesn't mean that there isn't a really important role for clinicians, because there is, um, but a lot of it is happening in many institutions kind of behind the scenes. So learn what's happening so that you, you have that basis. And then number two is find your people. Uh, and that is to identify whether it's other clinicians or other like-minded non-clinicians, anybody, so that you can have a good committed cadre of people who can share the load, can, can build enthusiasm. Uh, I think that our hospital administrations are generally keen to respond to what their staff uh, bring up, but certainly it is more powerful when you have a handful of staff who are bringing up the subject than when it's just one person. Uh, and honestly, there is more than enough work to go around uh, to share it with a group. So number one, learn what's happening. Number two, find your people. And then number three is um, see what the appetite is of your administration. Um, there are, there have been cases, there, there, there aren't too many, but there have been cases where uh, a clinician or a few clinicians have gone to their administration, raised these points, said, look, this is what's the right thing for the environment, which is by extension, the right thing for our community, for our patients, for public health. And, uh, and administrators have said, yeah, you know, you're right. This is a great idea. Um, we should have somebody doing that. Um, let's, uh, let's hire a 50% medical director of sustainability or something like that. Um, it's rare, but it can happen. Um, in most cases, the answer is going to be, yeah, the way we do things is we have a committee and we see what we can do with existing resources. And, and again, the word resources usually means money um, with existing resources to, um, to get things done. And let's see how we do there, you know, try it for some period of time. And that might be a year, that might be more, it might be a little less um, and build those plans to show, okay, we have plans, we, we can either execute them with what we have or we can't execute them with what we have uh, and then hopefully get what you need. So number one, what's going on? Number two, find your people. Number three, make a plan, hopefully with somebody at least plugged in a little bit to the administrative side um, so that you can identify what the appetite is and, and how you can strategically move forward. So not one bullet, there are three, um, but uh, but I think it's it's 
the best way to move forward in most cases. That's great. That's That sounds like excellent guidance. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And, and I want you to let me know if there's anything else that you'd like to share um, that we haven't addressed uh, before we, we close. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that we, we haven't really talked about and um, is, is how such an effort on sustainability at a, at a hospital or health system really ties into the community side. Um, and I, I briefly mentioned that, you know, we here in Eastern Southern New England um, have, have a, pretty, uh, a pretty environmentally conscious community. Uh, and, and what that means is that there are, there are partners outside of our institution who want us to succeed. Uh, and sometimes there is value in at least hearing from those people, if not actively partnering with them to, uh, to make sure that everybody in the community sees the benefits of improving environmental performance at the hospital and outside the hospital. Um, so uh, I think that's one area where, depending on where you are and what organizations might be around, if there are some like-minded organizations that are worth connecting with in, in your community, that, that could also help further your goals. Thank you so much, Dr. Slutsman. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Armand. It's my pleasure. And if anybody has questions or they're interested, um, they can certainly go to our website. If you just search for the Mass General Center for the Environment and Health, you should find it. Uh, and you can get in touch with us through that uh, window. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthcare SOS. You can learn more about Healthcare SOS and today's guest at massgeneral.org slash healthcare SOS. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate us, and share with your friends and colleagues. Healthcare SOS is a production of Massachusetts General Hospital's Center for the Environment and Health in Boston, Massachusetts. Healthcare SOS was conceived by your host, Winnie Armand. Music beats are courtesy of Olivier Armand.